Welcome, everyone, to the Two Tongues Podcast. Consider this your invitation to join Kyle and Chris on a journey through our minds. Where we explore the questions that have fascinated us for as long as we can remember. Could anarchy actually work? Does God exist? And just how did the cosmos get here anyway? Let me be the Virgil to your Dante, the Sacagawea to your Lewis and Clark. Let's take the guided tour through the dark chambers of our unconscious, seeking answers to the most important and unsettled questions of our shared existence. Ready or not, here we go. Two tongues. <laughs> Coming at you. <ya. laughs> Coming like, the fuck directly at you. You're writing lyrics for that song now? Uh, yeah, it remi- <laughs> reminds me of that Dane Cook skit from when we were kids. I, don't re- I mean, I remember lots of Dane Cook skits. He's talking about just growing up in the city and hearing car alarms go off and making up lyrics to the to the car oh, alarm music. Yeah. <laughs> you remember that? I do vaguely. Uh, not not it, that in detail, though. Yeah, so, you know, like that particular, it's that particular alarm. It's not just a, you know, like a fire alarm sound. It's that it does multiple tune, like tones. Yeah. It changes the tones over yeah, and over yeah. again. And, uh, you know, it wasn't the funniest Dan Cook skit, but uh, I remember it. Yeah. Yeah. Dan Cook, I really enjoyed Dan Cook when I was uh, in my, you know, like late teens, mm. early 20s. Yep. Yeah, man. I remember the first time. The first time I heard Dan Cook, the, the skit that stands out to me, and I, this was on CD. This was before uh, I ever saw him. You know, I, never, I didn't know what he looked like. <clears throat> and he was doing that skit about playing Monopoly with his family. <laughs> he was like talking about everyone pretends to like Monopoly. Oh, yeah. But he, but here's everybody two hours into a game of Monopoly. And he makes this loud noise like he's throwing the board and the pieces across the room. And he goes, no. <laughs> He says, no, Grandpa, Nana is a cheating whore. Where did you get the pink 50s, you cheating whore? (laughs) Uh, I I don't know if I've ever played all the way through a game of Monopoly before, to be honest with you. I can't can't remember ever winning a game of Monopoly. Yeah? Yeah. Well, I don't know what to say about that. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, I... Never, uh, never play. I, I literally don't think I've ever finished a game from Monopoly, so I, I, I don't understand the, uh, the irritation. You know what I'm saying? It just takes a long time to get through a game of Monopoly. That's the thing. Yeah, I guess that's probably why I didn't finish. Yeah, that's what makes it annoying, and that's the temptation for Grandma to cheat. It's like let's wrap get this, this game shit up. Over yeah. With. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Any other board games from your history stick out? I played out? Clue when I was a kid. Clue. We used to play Clue. I don't remember Clue much. Really? I do remember Risk. Risk. Yep. I, I never really played Risk. It gets a game of Military Conquest, Kyle. Oh, I know what Risk oh, okay. is. Yeah, yeah. I know what Risk is. I just never really played it. Yep. Board games. I remember when I was a kid for Christmas, like when I was fucking... I was younger than 10 years old. Uh, Battleship had an electronic version that came out. And this was back in the day, man, where like board games with batteries were like fucking out of sight, man. They were, they were. (laughs) It's almost a video game. Almost a video game. (laughs) 
and uh, this whole fucking thing was was you got you could punch in the coordinates and it would make a sound effect that was that was it yeah and and either you missed and it was like you could hear the launching of your missile and then it would just like into the water you know yeah. or it would make one of those noises and that's how you knew that's how you knew you were on you were on to something that's simple it's pretty simple and people you know? people lost their minds they're like this is this technology can you believe it they were basically cavemen back then you know yeah yeah they'd never seen an iphone <clears throat> um yeah i don't know i think uh something about that seems there's something I, I don't know charming about that just like people freaking out about like a sound effect mm. you know what I mean yeah it's like nostalgia it is but I think charming is an interesting word to use to talk about nostalgia or the past because I think many of us have a certain period of time that seems extra romantic or interesting and we think oh we were born in the wrong time maybe I should have been born in the Victorian era or maybe I should have been born <clears throat> you know during the Pax Romana or whatever. Sure. What's that place for you? What's that pl- place in time? <clears throat> um, I think just like a little bit before I was born. Just like, just like <laughs> a say, couple decades before I was born. Like the 60s? Something like that, yeah. What about it's it? fine. What about it like, is appealing to you? Um, like all the sex? Like all the sex that no, was going not, on? I mean, you know, that's fine. I don't have, you know. But that's... You don't even have to go back that far to get the main thing that I find appealing about it, but you you just have to go back to like you know the early nineties for for it to be like this. But basically, it's that not everything is connected. You know, like the world mm. seemed even like bigger because not everything was connected. You didn't have a phone that was you know connected to everything at all times. Um, you know, to, that's just basically it. Yeah, yeah, everything was siloed, you know, you, and you could be... That's the thing about about the past is you could more easily be different people in different scenarios, you know? Like your work self could be completely different from your home self, which is still true to a certain extent, but not as true, man. Yeah. Because of social media and because of the interconnectedness of everything. Yeah. You could just have personas all over the place. It'd be weird if, like... You were with one set of people that you hung out with, and you and acted a certain way, and you saw, <coughs> excuse me, some people from another like asset, you know, you know, another area of your life, and they saw you, and you were behaving completely differently. <laughs> They'd be like, "What is going on?" Yeah, but didn't that ever happen to you when you were a kid? Not really. I mean, <coughs> I don't think so. Oh, it happened to me, man. Yeah, happened to me because. Uh, no, like I, you, I, I had like a diversity um, of friends, friends of different types, you know. Yeah. And so you, uh, well, you know, like when you're a kid, you're like um, formulating your personality. You're figuring out who you are, and uh, some of that shit you learn from other people. So you're just trying shit out. So the experiments I would do if I was hanging out with like Brandon would be different than if I was hanging out with uh, you or, or you know, I got you. You know what I mean? I mean, I. I I know what you mean. I gotta, I gotta embrace the uh, rap music a little more, and or like, you know, whatever, whatever it is that we were doing for fun was basketball and like, smoke weed out of an apple core. You know, you did that. 
Yeah, I did that when I was very young. Yeah, that's cool. Not very young, you know. You know, not I'm not. I was of a, re- a reasonable age for smoking weed out of an apple core. Yeah, an acceptable age. So I want to ask you about this free love thing that you brought up. What I didn't bring up no free love thing. You brought up the 1960s. I brought up the 60s. I didn't bring up the free love thing. I think maybe I brought up the 60s, and you agreed with me, and then I brought up free love and, and pretended that it was you that brought it up. But we can talk about it. Well, this is what I want to ask you about. I, when I when I mentioned the 60s, and I thought about like the just strange cultural di- changes that were going on, the difference between the 50s and the 60s in particular. I mean, fuck, it was just it had to have been a very interesting time to live. But this free love concept came up during that time, and uh, I have a hard time understanding what that must have been like. But there's this there's this new phrase that has been circulating around that I've been hearing. It has to do with like um, polyamory and all this all this progressive shit people are trying to get into nowadays. Yeah, free use, <laughs> free use, free use. Yeah. That sounds um, impersonal. It's interesting. Is this a new phrase for you? Free use. I've never heard of it. All right. So, free use is like um, it's like a it's like a kink that you could look up on your favorite porn website. Um, but it's a, a new one, as far as I'm concerned, and it seems to be something like <coughs> like an open relationship. So, you're just available for sex to the people around you. Free use, and you could just use the person. Whenever you want sex. What do you think, man? Um, what do you mean, what do I think? <laughs> well, I'm just interested in how that idea contrasts to the free love idea from the 60s, first of all. Free use versus free love. Well. And it, maybe it tells us something about the cultural differences that are pretty goddamn dramatic. Because free free love... And I, I didn't live in the '60s and '70s, but I, I, I've seen movies. You know, I've seen films. Sure. So I feel like I can I can speak. <laughs> I can speak. You saw almost this. famous. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It seems to me like the free love thing was was a um, resistance to um, these strict, mostly religious um, and social uh, restrictions on sex and and marriage. You know, that was that was going on in the '60s. So. Uh, we we can basically disregard all of these social requirements like love and marriage, and we can just have this broader understanding of love that uh, that sees sex as something like a a recreational activity or a gift that you can give another person, a kindness that you can do, like a shoulder rub, you know. Mm-hmm. And so there's something beautiful about that. There's something like, you know, progressive about that. We, we've gone beyond this this archaic religious structure of of sex limited to marriage and all that shit. And now we can just f- freely give our love around and our sex around. And it's can't you see the progress, Kyle? See, mm-hmm. there's that, but there's that sort of thing that was going on. And free use is something like that, but different in in some ways. It's like. Free use is like, I'm not giving you a gift. I'm taking from you what I need. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a, it's like a, I'm giving you a gift that that uh, free love uh, way of thinking about it is almost like, it's almost like religious charity. You know, it kind of has that feel. But free use is like, I have a need and I'm going to take it. And, you know, because everybody can do it, it's fine. 
You know what I mean? It's there's like something communist about it. There's something rapey about it. Rapey. There's it's like. Can you imagine a social situation where everyone is on board with an idea of free use? It's like, oh, I can do it, so that means you can do it. And if you ask me for it, I'm obliged to give it to you. Because if I want it, I can do it too. And everyone just agrees with that? Can you imagine the first fugly person that comes up to you and says, free use? <laughs> you, you know what I mean? There's not going to be some resistance. That's how it is. Do you like anybody? I mean, that seems to be what it is. Free, free use means free use of your kibbles and bits, Kyle. Yeah. That's um, an interesting... I, I mean, that's like they're... I mean, y- you force people to do this? I just don't get it. Well, It's like a societal it's like pressure? A, it's, like, it's like a societal thing. So you can imagine if everybody was polyamorous, so everybody's with everybody, everyone loves everybody, uh, everyone can choose to pair up as they see fit. It doesn't have to be two people. It can be as many people as you want. Guys, girls, doesn't matter because we live in this progressive paradise where we don't even see kibbles and bits. We just like to put them in our mouths. Um, That's disgusting. Yep, yep. So <laughs> this is the situation where free where free use can creep into this societal arrangement. Got it. Everybody's for everybody. It's almost like everybody belongs to everybody. Doesn't it just... The reason I ask, though, is because that doesn't seem to be how it is, you know? Like, I don't see that happening, you it's know? It's not how it is. It's all, but I'm just saying that there are people, like you can imagine hippie compound people, that might say, this is a free use community, bro. And if you want to come... You got to be free. You, you got to be You got to be available. Be exactly. Man, it's dark. It is super dark, but... There's a certain percentage of people that see that as like like some progress, like some progress about um, that represents some sort of societal progress. You know, it's like the the powers that are pulling that are pulling the world towards collectivism and pulling the world towards this renewed interest in communism. This is part of it. It's everybody belongs to everybody, and. That is super dark. It kind of slips under the radar because it's hard to make sense of what that means. Because if everyone, if everything belongs to everybody, that's the same thing as saying that nobody belongs to anybody. But when you say in a free use scenario, everybody belongs to everybody, that means everybody belongs to everybody in the most intimate way. And it, it seems to take away your choice. And we have to, in order for this sort of situation to work, we have to get to a indoctrination brainwashy sort of situation where we're all raised to think this is normal and so we don't have potentially we don't have the same objections that we would otherwise bring to this and i can i mean it doesn't take long to think about it before you think about some objections but it's like you know the big hairy fat guy with a small dick goes up to the to the to the beautiful blonde leggy lady and says i would never have access to you under normal circumstances but free use baby um that woman is not going to she's not she's going to object but could she be brainwashed and raised from a child to get to that point as an adult and with some fat ugly guy says free use and she just goes let's go you think that's possible um i don't know i don't think i my mind goes to no you know immediately but i don't know maybe i'm overreacting but i don't think so yeah like I don't think you can remove the repulsion of the of the woman who isn't sexually attracted to the guy, but can you socially p- 
program the repulsion to not matter. Maybe, I guess. You know what I mean? Where the woman just says, this is my, this is my duty. duty. I can do it so he can do it. But then you're having kids with people you don't want to have kids with potentially. Yeah. Um, but in a situation like that, you'd have to, you'd, you'd have to raise those families communally, man. You'd have to almost not care who's the dad was. There, there are cultures like that. Yeah. Like in, like in Africa and places where they live in these tribal societies where, Everyone's just banging everyone. Yeah, and the tribe raises the kids. The kids belong to the tribe. And so there isn't as much genetic conflict between, you know, men. Got it. <laughs> I don't know if I don't know if that's good or bad, but uh Um I do like the idea of raising kids communally. Yeah. Thing is you the thing is about about that is he you just never know who's going to be in your community, and True. I'm, I'm a worrier, man. All it just takes one bad apple. True. Yeah, I think uh, as far as the free love, free use thing goes, I think that the terminology is like they're telling you something in the the terminology. You know, it used to be free love, which I don't even agree with. You know, I'm not like a big free love guy, honestly. Um, but that being said, free love is it, it it at least sounds nicer than free use you know like free use they're taking all the pretense of love out of it it's just like a transactional thing you know it's like um i you know yeah it's selfish it's like i need something i'm gonna use you it is selfish but there are people that that look at the social goals as far superior to the personal goals it's some people to the extent that the personal goals are are insignificant meaning that if let's just imagine we're living some hypothetical future utopia and people need to make people and the incentives are all fucked up because we live in a fucking future utopia yeah. that a free use situation might be encouraged as a way of just have having kids like just continue to procreate anybody who wants to put it in you let them put it in you so we can keep having babies and we're just going to raise them in test tubes and we're going to you know what I mean we're going to have a um, preschool kindergartens full of people in white robe. Everyone wears white robe. Like, I'm just imagining this is my utopian vision. All the kids are wearing like uh, all, the, all the preschool kids are wearing like uh, like um, hospital gowns. <laughs> they're okay. all their heads are all shaved. This is the image that's coming to my head. Interesting. It's a combination of like Stranger Things and uh, oh, you remember that movie? Oh, this is way off topic, but you remember that movie <laughs> with uh, Scarlett Joe? Where they're uh, where they're cloning people for or organ harvesting, and they and they make the clones live in this um, facility where they think that the world has ended, and they're being protected in this little. I don't remember. Oh, that. dude, are you kidding? No, nah, it's not ringing a bell. Scarlet Joe and Ewan McGregor. Oh, that's making it seem more familiar. His name is his name really is Lincoln it. Six Echo or something. Yeah, I think I know what you're talking about, but I don't. I don't remember it. It's got the. It's got the the big the big black dude. I think from the Green Mile. That, that Michael. Yes, Clark, Clark Duncan or Duncan Clark or yeah, whatever. Yeah, and he's like the clone of like, an, of, like an, of an of an NFL football player or something. And oh. the guy gets in like a car accident, so they they have to harvest the organs from the clone. It's, it's a it's a dark movie. I wish I could remember it. It's really for shame. For shame. For shame. Matthew's going nuts right now. He's yelling at he's yelling the name of the movie. Um, um 
you know, what other movie she was in that had to do with like cloning people? No. Kind of. The Prestige. Oh, yes. That's a good movie. I fucking man. love that movie. It's a great movie. It's top three for me. Top three? Top three. The Prestige is top three for me. Yeah, man. I can Fuck. see why. Fucking Hugh Jackman. Yeah, Christian Bale, Christian Scarlett Joe, motherfucker. Great, great story. Great story. Kane is in it. Uh, what is his name? Kane? Michael Kane. Oh, Michael. I thought you meant Kane the wrestler. I was like, Kane is not in that movie. <laughs> All right. Uh, so listen, we, we got way off track here, but we were originally, I asked you about what period of time you might want to live in if, yeah. you, if or what seems romantic to you. And you said the 1960s. Yeah. Which is interesting. I would I would like to see like the... Like the Berkeley scene and Timothy Leary days, I would like to see what that was all about. When those when those physicists were like, I don't even want to go there. Dude. Doing LSD and thinking about the cosmos. Yeah, I don't even want to go there though. I just want to go in like the places that I go now and see <laughs> <laughs> just see what they looked like, man. You could look at old pictures for that. Yeah, but not it does. It's not like the all encompassing. You know, uh, that's what you I wanna, want. You want to be Marty McFly. Who yeah. just showed up in 1950, what, what is it, 58 or something? I don't something, know what it was. whatever, yeah. I can't remember either. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, no I want to be like in it. I want to like, I want to drive through areas that are developed now and it's just a field, you know? Mm. That you, kind of stuff's interesting to ma- me. Can you imagine if in the future, I don't know if it would be time travel, but can you imagine if it was time travel or some kind of super realistic simulation of time travel that people could do for vacation? You know, just go into just a pod. You plug in yourself, you and your family in, and just for fucking a week, you're you're in 1950s fucking or you're here, cool. wherever you want to go, man. You just some kind of like AI simulation, some kind of like a what's the word I'm looking for? Not AI, VR, VR. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You uh, remember the movie Total Recall? Yep, sure. That reminds me of that. Something like, mm. you know. He, oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. That was the. You, like, <laughs> go into a coma and you, like, choose what kind of life you want. Yeah. Yeah. That's coming. There was that, there was that part with in the bar with the girl with the three boobs. I, uh, uh, yep. Yep. I remember that. That, that part. I, I rewound that tape a lot. We'll just put it that way. So, uh, <laughs> Total Recall, that scenario. You think that's Metaverse 2.0, 12.0? How far down the line? How far? Total Recall? How, how far Arnold? until the Metaverse becomes Total Recall with Arnold? Five years. We're screwed, Kyle. <laughs> We're all screwed. Five years. Five to ten. So anyway, <clears throat> I'm a big fan of period movies. So I've been thinking about this while like we're... Free Bleeding? No. <laughs> no, no, but I, but I have heard of that term now. Um, but that's gross. Is that not, that's not what you were talking about? Mm-mm. Period movies? Nope. Period as in a period in time. Oh. Because uh, I do like them, so it makes me think about what period of time I might like to Got it. live in. Yeah. Um, it's, it's also interesting that not all time periods are represented in film. There's only certain there's only certain categories of time periods that are represented in film. Where are you going? Where am I going? Um. So part of me likes this idea of uh, Victorian England. Yeah. But this is the scenario. Going back, trying to like catch Jack the Ripper or something. Oh, I'm buddies with Sherlock Holmes in this <laughs> scenario. Hell yeah. I'm, I'm, going to the, I'm going to the Royal Society of, of England. I'm going to go to one of their meetings 
and we're gonna we're gonna talk about philosophy and and physics with all those fucks, all those fucks, uh, like every like all the, this is like a all the greatest minds, just like Charles Darwin and Isaac Newton and like all these people belong to the Royal Society. So you go there and it's like all the smartest people who think deeply about the most obscure shit getting together and talking. That's where I want to be, man. You, you ever see the painting of, um, uh, it's called um, School of Athens by, I think it's by Raphael. I don't think so. Maybe it's, I have. It's just like a big Greek um, agora type of scene. Mm-hmm. And there's people all, all over, but they're all dudes. And um, right in the middle is this old man with a beard and he's pointing up. And right next to him is a younger man with a beard and he's pointing down. And in the corner, there's this guy with his globe. He's holding this globe like a crystal ball in his hand. And he's got a turban on. You're like, what the fuck, man? Um, every, what the fuck, man? Everybody in this painting is a, is a philosopher from a different time in antiquity. And Raphael painted them all together like, a, like the meeting of the wisest men that have ever lived. And, you know, they didn't all live at the same time, but he's just putting, putting this man. fantasy world together. And... Uh, that's where I want to be, man. I want to be sitting on the steps with fucking, with fucking, uh, you know, Aristotle or whatever. You're going to paint yourself in there? Could you do it? It would be so terrible. My, <laughs> can you imagine? Like when, uh, it reminds me of the story of um, during the Second World War, there was a painter, I can't remember who, who did this propaganda painting of uh, Hitler. Oh, in a dress or something? Oh, he's in he's in he's a Teutonic knight. He's in a full suit of armor. He's riding on a horse, and it's just like this iconic looking picture of like the profile That's of Hitler up on this horse. It is it is pretty badass. But it was displayed in a, a museum uh, or an art show. I don't know what they call those things. And um, somebody came to see it um, who was an activist. Oh, oh, I see. And when he got up to the that pi- picture of Hitler, he had paint in his in his coat or whatever, and he put the black paint out and slapped it on the. He was trying to deface it. Yeah. But what he did is he put these black marks along the cheek of Hitler, and it makes him look like he's dirty from war, and it like makes the painting better. Yeah. You look, you you know, it's just it looks fucking. Listen, I don't want to say anything good about Hitler ever for any reason, but this... But that was a cool picture. <laughs> this, If you look at it, you, you'll see what I, I mean, I believe man. you. I believe you. Yeah, I mean, you're not, you know... Uh, I, so, so it would be something like that, I suppose, if I was painting myself in, but with, with an, uh, the opposite effect. It would be like a painting of Hitler? No, it would be like a painting of... It would be like, <laughs> be like a painting of all these, all these really artfully done, like, realistic-looking people on this cartoony... Uh, guy stuck in there like where's Waldo I see so I thought you were saying that that propagandist or activist or whatever like um, that they made the picture of Hitler and I was like well if you're trying to make oh, no. propaganda against Hitler why would you make Hitler seem badass by no, making no, him no, like no. a Teutonic knight no this was the propaganda machine this was a painting that was done that was commissioned to make Hitler look awesome okay that makes more sense and the guy that was trying to ruin it only made it look better yeah congratulations uh, so anyway I, uh, Victorian England is one of them 
But then there's like so much about the classical world that's so appealing. Like, what about Victorian England? Like, really jumps out at you? But I mean, that's it. The 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 meeting of the minds. It's a time. It's a time when a revolutionary time intellectually. It, oh, it was yeah, a time okay. where there was there was very smart, sophisticated people that were just getting introduced to really interesting ideas and it goes all the way up for me it goes all the way up through like the 1920s with the, with the uh, discovery of quantum physics that was also a magical time to be a scientist yeah. you were uncovering I mean, can you imagine man like you live in this Newtonian world where everything makes sense there's very few mysteries you've got you've got very cut and dry mathematics that describes all the things you see around you you know the, the orbits of the planets and the mo- motion of bodies and you know all that stuff. You think you got it all figured out. The people smarter than you got it all figured out. Newton and Leibniz and all that shit. And somebody comes around and says, I did this experiment. You're never going to believe it. But everything you believe is wrong. Yeah. And he's right. And every scientist is like, what does that mean? What do you mean? What do you, what do you mean uh, that, that energy moves into discrete, discrete packets called quanta? And what do you mean that... that particles are actually waves that simultaneously and you know what do you mean that this just goes on and on entanglement and and you know the speed of light and um time dilation and on and on i mean your head is spinning you you find out that you live in this crazy mysterious magical place that we've always lived in and that we get to periods of time where we think we solve the riddles and there's no magic left and then we stumble into a deep deep chasm of mystery that is the kind of time i want to live in I want to swim in the mystery cavern with all of the new ideas. So uh, that's what appeals to me about Victorian England. Um, that's what appears to, appeals to me about classical, like Greece, you know, the philosophers, that philosophy that was going on pre-Socrates and Socrates. Revolutionary, man. Knowing them now isn't enough. You, like, you, want, you need to go back there. I don't need to. Well, I know you but don't But for the same to, reason but... you said, you, you, you want to... You want to go back to the same places that you are used to in the 1960s, but actually be there. I want to actually, I want to know what it's like to actually have been there, you know? Like, if you ever, if you read any of Plato and he talks about these scenes where people have conversations with Socrates, they're, they're so fun. I, and I want to, I want to have been a fly on the wall for one of those conversations with Socrates where somebody will say, there's this guy in Athens and he's so he's so smart. He's got all these followers. He's you know he he's got some shit figured out. And Socrates is like, oh, if he knows something, I I want to know. So let me go, let me go ask him questions. I talk to this mother. And in five guy. minutes, it's like he's got this guy's head spinning because he can't answer the most simple questions. And Socrates just pointed out to the world that the people who believe they've got it all figured out, the people that are the smartest in the world can't answer simple questions about basic shit. And everyone realized at that point, we don't know anything that we thought we knew. And that is revolutionary, man. Socrates is like, oh, you think the beautiful has something to do with God? What is beauty? And people are like, throwing their hands up. I guess I can't answer that question, Socrates. I think maybe it means something like this. And he says, oh yeah, well, what does that mean? Stumper. Every question's a stumper for the smartest people in the world. And everyone sitting around them is like, this wise man is full of shit, and now everybody can see it. And all Socrates had to do was ask simple questions. It goes back to those the postmodernists, man. The postmodernists that were saying that we have to 
question all of our assumptions, like our most dearly held assumptions are the things that we never question and never think about questioning. And that's what Socrates was doing. It's like, just, just try, to, try to explain to me what a, a word you use all the time means. Just try. And people are like scratching their heads because we assume so much, you know? It's just fascinating to me, man. Yeah. Uh, being one of those dudes, this kind of goes back to Victorian England, but being one of those dudes that was, um, that was like in the heyday of Egyptology, you know, like like the the movie The Mummy, the the Brendan Fraser movies. Yeah. Like imagine being li- living in that time period and being wealthy enough to go out on expeditions to find Ramses, you know, tomb or something. That w- that I would fucking love that man. Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones. Yeah, that's probably a big part of the appeal. Indiana Jones? Yeah, because we grew up with Indiana Jones. Yeah, man. Indiana Jones was the shit. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely see the appeal. Um, living in the 20s would be cool. Living in the 20s would be cool. Get to see, you know, the roaring 20s. Yeah, man. Be cool to, like, be in New York. The flappers, the women with the, with the skirts. The women with the skirt. Pro- prohibition. I know I know the term flapper, but I don't really know like what they were. I know they were ladies. They were the uh they in, were, like they were the empowered they were the empowered feminists of the twenties. Oh really? Yeah. Oh. So that's basically what they were. They were considered hard pass. They were considered to have loose morals, <laughs> you know, and they were considered to be uh uh but but Mild in comparison. I mean, mild in comparison to yeah. what you see in the '60s. Mild in comparison to what you see on the internet now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Flappers. Um, yeah, the '20s would be cool. Um, prohibition and the, the the early like mob days, and uh, I mean, it's right after World War One. Right after, yeah. Then the stock market crash. That had been scary. The Great yeah, Depression. I I fuck that wanna, noise. I want to get out of there before then. The Dust Bowl. Yeah, no thanks. You know, my my, uh, my mom's dad's side of the family had had two cars during the Depression. Damn. Not one. Killing it. Not one. <laughs> they had two cars. Two TVs, too? <laughs> Killing it. That's the only story I, because I don't actually know much about that side of the family, but I've heard that story before. Yeah. Good for them. Yeah, the twenties. Um, I don't. I don't know about the Second World War period. Seems pretty scary. Seems like a terrible hellscape of a time to have lived in. Yeah, be interesting to. Like. Everything that's going on with Ukraine right now, well, I mean, the, the media's kind of laid off of Ukraine a little bit, but, um, you know, especially, I mean, even just go back to, like, COVID. Whatever the thing is that's going on right now, the media just runs with it and tries to make people as scared as possible. So I just wonder what the media was like back then. It'd be interesting to be able to... Because, like, you know, you can watch the media now and be like, this is bullshit. They're, like, making it seem way worse than it is. Mm-hmm. I wonder, you know, like, what what was it like back then? Although it was, I know it was terrible, but. Yeah. Yeah, that is interesting. <laughs> it's hard to even imagine how isolated, how isolating that would be. 
Like you, you live in your village, and for most of the human history, your your information and social life was limited to the borders of your village. You know. And if you wanted to get news from the outside world, you had to wait for a horse to come with a, with a stranger on it. Some guy. To tell you about what's happening in the London. Did they get, is that, I mean, these pony riders, they were just, uh, they were just going around carrying news? They were, yeah, they were just. Uh, uh, Seems like a good job, man. They, it's not a job. They were just gossips. They enjoyed, oh, yeah. they enjoyed oh, it. Okay. They're like, you're never going to have I want to be the first one to tell you this. I'm out of here. Jumped on my horse, <laughs> rode over here to tell you guys this. Oh, man. But. Uh, Equestrian gossips. Is that what they call them? Equestrians? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Paul Revere was just a gossip. You know, they don't know where the uh, the word horse comes from. Really? Yeah, that's like a, a word that they can't really place how it came in. It must have been Proto-Indo-European, I'm guessing, because the... No, I don't think so. Because those, those were the step people. I think that as well, you know... As well as they can rebuild Proto Indo European that language, it it's something like equos, like equestrian. Oh, yeah, that sounds Latin to me, but uh, yeah. Well, I mean, Latin—that's a branch of Indo. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. 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 So there's this book uh, around here somewhere. It was, we may have talked about it before. We may have looked at it before, uh, but it just you just reminded me of it when you said equos. These guys, these two um, college professors, like linguists—I don't know exactly. Uh, been a long time since I read it, but they basically um, traced common words. Um, there's a word for it, but I can't think of it. Where the words are very, so similar between languages that there's like suspicion that there's something. Uh, relating, you know, th- those things. But they point to it across languages where there shouldn't be a connection. So it's like this word in Korean, this word in Sanskrit, this word in English. And you're like, yep, that sounds pretty similar. And they all have similar meanings. Mm-hmm. Um, like Polynesian, you know, and uh, whatever. I always found that found that to be interesting when you have those connections that go... S- they're either coincidence or... They go all the way back to some super early time, you know, when we were, we, when those words first were developed and we just, you know, have that common thread running through our languages. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I mean, for there to be crossover between such varied languages, you know, so languages that are, that are, that are so far apart, that's, and, and the, and the, the words that, that, carry through like that are usually really fundamental words yeah. like mother name and like numbers like like the number 2 for instance uh like, like a lot of a lot of cultures didn't develop beyond 2 or 3 because they didn't ha- they didn't have a need for it so it's one two or many that's how, that's how like a lot of early early languages were there was no need to have be more precise than that one two and many so the the word for two i, I can't remember it's like tick tock two all these different thing, things that sound like that and they're all over the place they're all over the place so you think if they're really fundamental words um usually they're short words the words we use a lot that have important meaning and, yeah. th- and th- they're just common across space and time it's yeah. fucking amazing 
Yeah, I, I remember hearing something about the, I, I don't know, some like big percentage of the amount of words that we use most are all uh, like Germanic, uh, you know, the root Germanic language words, mm. uh, more descriptive words. That's where the other, the influences on English start to come from. Yeah, there's, there's, yeah, English is an interesting language. I wonder to what degree, like English is, is a hodgepodge. So we just borrow, we borrow words and, and styles from different languages that we've had um, conquerors and conquerees mostly. So there's Latin mixed in, there's French mixed in, there's Germanic mixed in. We still have, we still have a couple of uh, um, like Celtic words that we use. And like I remember learning about uh, when, when, Conquering people came over, and they had uh, words. Let's say like fjord. Words that that when they got to the British Isles, there was no references for anymore. So they just kept those words from the old from the old language. Or they get to England, and there's like like features of geography that they didn't have back home. So they just use the English words. What they weren't English, but you know whatever the Pict the Pictish word or the Celtic word. Uh, and that's how we end up with the strange things in our dialect. And with the French, the interesting thing about that is that so, so much of the conflict between the English and the French um, in the Middle Ages, uh, you know, mostly, um, the kind of high cultural words that have to do with um, our legal system and our religion, mm -hmm. um, those words are French. So we maintained in the English language certain words from, from the French as conquerors, you know? It's interesting. That is interesting. It's like they had a good system, so we'll just keep it. We'll just not fuck with it. You know, but English is so weird, man. It's like uh, you brought up the German influence. This is the only example I know, so I'll, I'll share it. In English, if you want to make something plural, you do something real simple. Real simple. You just add an S onto the end of it. Yeah. So if you have a cup... But you'd rather have seven. You just say, let's put an S on the end of that. You got cups. And that could be as many cups as you want, man. You have a, um, whatever, computer, computers, you know, whatever. Just attack on an S. And that works almost every time in the English language. Almost. Almost. It doesn't work. It doesn't work for more than one child, though, does it? No. Because that, for some reason, we kept from the German. German, don't add an S to the end to pluralize something. Child becomes children, and that's the plural. And it's one of the only examples. We're just going to keep that one weird example. Uh, and everything else, we can just use an S, except for in this one instance. Those are the kind of weird rules that keep people from le learning English easily, man. Yeah. What's that about? I don't know, man. English is it's definitely a complicated one. Can't we just say childs? Why can't we say childs? My childs. <laughs> Feeding my child. I got five childs to feed. <laughs> Total recall reference in case anybody didn't know. Um, oh, boy. So the 50s, I don't think I want to live in. No, the, the 40s, I don't think I want to live in. The 50s, when, um, when industry started taking off again and the economy started doing really well again and all the, all the dads wore hats and suits and wore, carried briefcases and all the moms wore aprons and dresses. The era of Mad Men. The era of Mad Men, yep. I, would, I, would, I think I, would, I could do that. I think that probably is the fakest persona of a, of a decade uh, because 
because there was, it's like I watch I Love Lucy, let's say, and it's like that. There's no way that's the way the world was, man. It's like all these all these husbands that come home. Um, it's not like Leave It to Beaver when they come home and they kiss their wife on the cheek and the homemade dinner is that ready. It's like no, man, that guy was getting a scotch. He was he was slapping his wife. He was ignoring his kids. You know what I mean? There was a back when you could behave like a man. <laughs> Like a real man, you know. <laughs> There's a dark reality behind the scenes, but we just pretended that it was a leave it to leave it to Beaver back then. It's a better time. <laughs> I agree with you that the '60s and '70s would have been interesting. I got zero interest in the '80s. Um, you know, I would fuck with the '80s. I don't love it. It's not like my first choice, but um, if it was like all I could get. I would take it. Yeah, I'd go to the '80s. I think the '80s and '90s, and that, and those are my. I like the '90s. Those are my. Those are my my uh, eras, I guess. Uh, mostly the '90s and 2000s, but I would like to go back and be an adult in the '90s. Fuck that! I don't know, man. Maybe an adult in the '90s sounds pretty nice to me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I would like. I would like to go. Um, I would like to go to like Athens. You know, sure. 500 BC and see what that's like. Yeah, I like to go and see what like the um, Colossus of Rhodes looked like before it got before it got earthquake to death. I, I like to go back to 11,000 BC and see what the fuck was going on at Gobekli Tepe. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Or first century Palestine. Nah, that sounds terrible. I don't want to do that. I don't. I don't want to see Jesus bad enough to go back to first century Palestine. Yeah, it seems like a dangerous, fucked up place. Yeah, I mean, you know, you got Romans there. They keep things pretty safe, though, you know? Yeah, that's probably true. The Romans, they don't fuck around too much. Um, but, you know, there's other things to worry about. Would you, like, would you like to go back to the era of Genghis Khan? No, not if, if, if you were Genghis Khan. So I could just be raping chicks? Just be, like, traveling and raping? Oh, they wouldn't, you wouldn't have to rape them. They, well, would... That's rape. Yeah, that's rape. That's pretty much rape. I mean, if you don't do it, I'll cut your head off. That's that's pretty. You know, that's rough. Um, so I don't know. Being get, being the con doesn't sound that great. No. You know? uh-uh. it seems like a lot of work. It seems like a lot of stress. A lot of rape. A lot of rape. Um. Uh, a lot of glory. You know. <laughs> so that's cool. How, but. how about the American Revolution? Would you Would you like to have been around during that time? I don't, I talk, like, you want to go to, like, these things, these events, I don't, like, I mean, I guess I, if I was there, I might, but I want to, you, like, want to go to a battle at the, um, I want to be, like, not a, necessarily in, a battle, but I'm thinking, like, imagine walking the streets of Boston yeah. in 1770, and, like, being a regular guy, and hearing, like, the whisperings, yeah, that'd be cool. and seeing the people with the three-point hats on. And like the big ships in the harbor, and no, there's you know there's no such thing as television or or, or cars. I just think it'd be it would be interesting to uh, just cool. just walk around and see what it's like. I mean, you're gonna get parasites. Probably you're gonna die young, but it's gonna be interesting. I mean, some people lived to be old back then. Can you imagine seeing like slaves coming off the ships, all shackled? You know? Yeah, that'd be crazy. It's a, it's a, that's a dark time. <laughs> As if they're not all dark times. They are all dark times. Yeah, man. 
Uh, what They're else? All happy times too, though. Egypt, Egypt in the in like the classical. The I think Egypt in the Greek the period old kingdom? would be interesting oh, too. Ptolemaic Egypt and like yeah. Alexander. Yeah, when he Ooh, was there. Yeah, yeah, be cool. Go what? see the library. It would be cool to see like if we lived where we live now, but you know, in the in the seventeen hundreds, where you know you might see villages of Native Americans and woods as far as the eye could see, and you know, it's like it would have been a complete. This spot would have been a completely different world, you know. Yeah, it's fascinating. That's I think about that a lot. That kind of stuff, just that like. This area that I occupy frequently right now was just like something completely different, you know? Yeah. Yeah, man. Sometimes when I go across bridges, yeah, um, where it's like you can still see the woods as far as you can see along the sides of the of the water. If I go over a bridge, I look down at the creek or the river with the with the woods. I always think about that like this what this is what it was like. And I can almost see a canoe coming down, you know? Yeah, man. <laughs> but that's also very romantic. The whole, the whole like noble savage is probably a not politically correct thing to say. But that whole no, noble savage sort of image, and uh, you know, we, you know, like the the Native American who's crying because white people are littering. There's the, there's a sort of a mystique around that that nature, you know, living close to nature and and uh, that whole thing. It's so romantic. And I wonder what the reality was like. You know. Because those people were, I don't know if you've heard Joe lately, but he read some book about the Apache or something, and every now and then he'll just bring them up about how about how about how terrible they were, how savage they were, how yeah. brutal and ruthless they were. Yeah, no, I, I've heard. You know, every a lot of people talk very nicely about the Indians. You know, right. the Native Americans. Excuse me. The uh, the indigenous the first, first first nations. First nations. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, a lot of people they talk yeah very romantically about them, but they were brutal people. I mean, before we came over and started dominating them, they were dominating each other. I mean, you know, it's not like they were over here being peaceful and mm. just coexisting. Um, and the violence was not one-sided. It's not like we were just running through these people. They right. were fighting back and they were, you know. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying it's good, you know. Like, yeah, yeah. it's probably be better if we didn't kill each other, but. It's it's interesting, try, like in my head, trying to, um, trying to come up with a synthesis between these two images of a Native American. Mm-hmm. And one of them is like a Comanche with human ears around his neck. Right, he's wearing human ears as a necklace, like he's Dolph Lundgren and Universal Soldier. Fuck yeah, he's got scalp. He's got scalps hanging from his belt. He's wearing a loincloth. He's riding a horse. He's shooting bow and bows and arrows. Uh, he's got war paint on his face. He's screaming. He's making weird Arab sounding noises. You know, there's that. There's that Geronimo uh, sort of picture that I'm painting. Um, you know, he's stealing stealing white women off the prairie, whatever. And then there's uh, then there's another one which is like Sweat Lodge. Indian uh, fella, um, you know, like rituals around a fire, uh, praying to the Great Spirit, e- eagle feathers in your hair, living, living, you know, living clo- close to nature, you know, um, painting with all the colors of the wind. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? There's that, but those 
cultural like references are in, in the same in this they're one and the same you know so you've got both you've got this really brutal savage uh image and then you've got this peaceful hippie hippie exactly and they're and they're, they're, and that's hard to reconcile man it's also interesting you know something about that makes me feel like those people were more aware of themselves you know like they knew that they were capable of savage things and that they might be called to to behave that way you know it's one thing to say if i had to kill a man under certain circumstances i could it's another it's another to say i might have to tomorrow and i'm and i'm ready to do it if you know to protect the tribe um you know what i mean yeah makes me think of uh Rage Against the Machine. Here is something you can't understand. How I could just kill a man. It's <laughs> a good one, man. Yep. Um, I don't know, man. Oh, <laughs> uh, boy. Um, yeah, man, I don't know. Um, I don't know why we romanticize history like that. Um, I feel like the films, because I was talking about period movies before, you know, films do a, do a great job of that, but it's like they do that because we already do that. They romanticize t- different eras of time because we already romanticize. There's a market for it. There's definitely a market for it. What's your favorite period film? Fuck, man. Um, boy, that's a tough one. Um, it might be The Prestige. Honestly, we yeah, just talked about yeah, that. that. Gladiator always comes to mind, but it's so nostalgic for me. And I haven't, it's not really that good. I haven't rewatched it I in mean, a while. I mean, it's good, but like... Dude, it's got some good lines. It's not good in the way that The Prestige is good. That's true, yeah. Christopher Nolan like a motherfucker. Yeah, man. Uh, let me think here. Um, I really like Kingdom of Heaven, but I don't think that's better than The Prestige. Oh, you know, um, you remember Kingdom of Heaven? Yeah. It's um, a Crusader movie. Orlando kinda. Bloom. Orlando Bloom. Beautiful yeah. hair. Yeah. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> uh, Fucking Legolas. Yes, Legolas. Um, you know, it, but this is for, for different reasons, but um, The Last Samurai... Okay. The Last Samurai, because uh, there's so much to criticize, especially today. Like, when that movie came out, people weren't saying, like, oh, that's the most cultural appropriation you've ever seen. Tom Cruise in a kimono. Today they would say that. Today they would say that he, yeah, yeah. Um, But it was an interesting period of Japanese history that I didn't know a lot about, which was when it sort of became industrialized and westernized and and all that and they were trying to be able to compete with the western powers and uh they were powerful man up until the second world war the japanese empire was powerful man they 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 could have taken over china oh yeah they had taken over parts of china i wonder if they regret that now not not having just taken over all of china it's a good question i know that uh it was like they could e- they could either do it, you know, uh, basically colonize the East, or someone else would have, you know. Yeah. So I think that they just kind of went for it. Um, I th- I think that the Japanese culture it has this huge appeal to me. All, well, lots of Asian cultures. I mean, you just remember growing up. Uh, you know the Buddhas in the in the in the writing system and the martial arts and all that stuff just were so fascinating because it's so far away. It's like if Japan was like as close as Mexico is, I don't know if it would have the same appeal. It's because it's so foreign, it's so different. 
that it's that it's romanticized. You know, yeah. it's like I sometimes I think about that when I think of like all I don't know why I only have movie references to go to, but it's like Alexander. You remember that movie? Um, yeah, yeah. When he goes to Con Farrell, yeah. When he goes to um, Babylon, and that scene where the Western and Eastern cultures meet, and it's like, you know, the clothes the women are wearing, and the food, and the smells, and the and the like curtain, the 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 fabrics that you know, it's like all that stuff was completely alien to to Alexander, but it's like. Um, just stepping into it. it's like almost stepping into an alien world, but so much about it's familiar, and it's it's that that's so attractive to me. It's like beautiful. Um, what's her name? Rose. Rose. What's her name? Um, uh, the actress from from Alexander. Um, oh, from Clerks Two. Um, yeah, I know who you're talking about. I can't think of her name though. Wow, beautiful girl. But anyway, she's uh, she's wearing Rosario Dawson. Rosario Dawson. Yeah. She's wearing the uh, get up, you know the the. I don't know if it's appropriate because I don't know what, I don't know the historical details that much, but she's she's wearing that. It's like Alexander sees in her the same sort of essence of a of a beautiful woman from his part of the world, and he sees that rep- reflected in this woman who's not nothing like what he's used to back home. But it's the same thing with the with the food and with the palace and with the people and with the you know the weapons and the decorations and the, the writing and all that um something about it being different and familiar it's a it's the combination of that that's so appealing to me man it's like the more different you can get while still being familiar gold that's the sweet spot you know yeah rosario dawson Fuck, rosario dawson beautiful girl man Shout out to Rosario Dawson. Yes, indeed. Um, I can't think of anything else she's been in besides the Kevin Smith movie. Uh, I'll tell you what, man. Her her attitude. Like I, I feel like in Clerks too, when she's up on the roof dancing with. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like she's so like she's got such a beautiful smile. She she like lights up the room. And I mean, no wonder she's a she's an actress. She lights up the camera, um, and she's beautiful and she's friendly and she's like um, down to earth and kind of. You know, kind of a tomboy, at least not like a girly girl. And this whole combination of, of things just makes her so likable, Rosario Dawson. She's yeah. such a likable lady, man. <laughs> there, there are people like that, man. Sure. People who just draw you in. I think there may be that there are universally people. I'm probably wrong about that. There, there are people that are like sunshine. And when you're around them, you're just happier. You know? <laughs> Sure, they're rare people, but um, they 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 exist, man. There are people that are like strange kind of optimists that that. Well, even my wife, man, she's got a smile like I was describing with Rosario Dawson. When she smiles, when she's like genuinely smiles, she makes me cheerful. I'm like she, it's like contagious, you know. And a person who has a smile like that should just be given the gift of smiles, free use smiles to everybody, to everybody they encounter. You know, if somebody wants you to smile at them, you just go ahead and do yeah, it. Make the world a better place. Just smile. So where do we draw the line, dude? Where do we draw the line? Um, probably at like hand jobs. Yeah, hand jobs. Free use hand jobs. That's weird. But what comes like chronologically? What comes before hand job? It's a good question. 
Like, how do you how do you measure these things? It's gonna, like going to have to develop a system. Yeah. Get the scientists working on the working on that. The important things. What are we talking about, man? I don't remember. We're talking about uh, period movies. Um, period movies. How about you? Same question. What's your favorite period movie? You know, Dances with Wolves. I don't think I've ever seen Dances with Wolves. What? Yeah. I love Costner, man. I like Costner too. I've just never. I. I don't know. I just don't think I ever got around to watching that movie. I got it on a DVD somewhere. You could borrow it. All right. Um, favorite period movies um, tend to involve Daniel Day Lewis. Oh yeah. Uh, Gangs of New York. Fucking good one, man. And uh, that's a good one. What's the other one? What's the name of the other one? The oil movie. There, there will, will be, be blood. blood. Yeah. Love that movie. You know, you can imagine that Gangs of New York. I don't know how realistic that was, but it sounds like it seems like it's romanticized, but. Yeah. But it was kind of like that. It was just fun. It was a fun-ass movie. It was. But, I mean, it but was... imagine living there as a poor person in New York City at, during that time. And it's like how much of the Wild West that was. Like People think the West was dangerous because there was Indians and, and there was, uh, you know, um, robbers, you know, and there was like rattlesnakes and shit. And that's <laughs> a long way to California. Find yourself a ghetto. But New York, the place where you first got off the boat in the United States, in America, yeah. that was the Wild West, man. It was dangerous. East. It was filthy. The Wild Wild East. <laughs> Little Will Smith reference East. For you. James East. Desperado. <laughs> um, yeah, man. I mean... The chances of getting sick or and dying or starving to death or getting killed to death killed to death in New York City back then it's a dangerous one. Can you imagine being a policeman back then? You got nothing to go on. You got word of mouth. It's nothing but word of mouth. That was back in the good old days though where you could just like, you know, stab a motherfucker. Yeah. And you're a cop, so no big deal. Mm. Um that makes me think of like, uh, was it Gangs of New York? Like, well, like the, they showed the cops being super corrupt. Yeah, it's like the cops were uh, like soliciting prostitution and like, you know, getting paid for protection and shit like that. Yeah, fucking nonsense. But here's what it is, man. Fun times. Um, Daniel Day Lewis. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, Actually, out of the two of those, I would probably say that There Will Be Blood is... I like that one more, probably. I never saw it all the way through. Oh, I just saw man. the beginning. It's so good. Yeah. I'm sure it is. I'm sure you're right. a good movie. I, I saw a uh, like a clip of a movie when I was flipping flipping from um, my TV over to my one of my apps. And it was uh, Scarlett Joe and Natalie Portman yeah. in a period clothes. And I like bloody, <laughs> like a, like a, you know, like medieval dresses or something. Oh, got it. First of all, I'm like, I love, I love Natalie Portman and Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. And uh, I didn't know what this fucking movie was. And I love period movies. I'm like, how did I miss this shit? <laughs> I look it up. It's uh, the other, the other Borgia sister or something like that. Oh. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I can't think of the name of it, but I do know what you're talking about. So somehow I missed that. Got it. Um, Sounds like you missed it too. Yeah, I didn't watch yeah. that. I didn't watch that shit. No. I have been watching that uh, Game of Thrones show though. Still haven't started it. It's, it's okay. 
Uh, Why is it just okay? Is it just not meeting expectations? No, it's pretty good, actually. I've got some, uh, you know, we'll see how it goes. I don't have high hopes, so that actually helps, you know? Mm. Speaking of realistic period movies, um, are you going to watch the new Lord of the Rings on Amazon? (laughs) Probably not, no. No? I'm interested. Because they did that Wheel of Time, and it it was good. Wheel of Time? Yeah. What is Wheel of Time? It was a super popular a series of fantasy books that were written, um, I think, in the 90s. Um, J- Jordan, Robert Jordan is the author. Uh, they were super famous. My um, my cousin John read them all. Um, I didn't ever, I never read them, but they were just like, um, just ripe for CGI fantasy uh, adaptation. And they did that on Amazon and it was good. Cool. Yeah. So if... They did that. I'm sure they could do Lord of the Rings, but is the um, the feedback has been pretty negative about it. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, and they spent a lot of money on it. Did you watch the new Dune? Yes, I didn't. I haven't watched that yet. I did watch it. I was. Um, I don't remember much. Nothing really comes to my mind. Um, Sounds like a good review. Yeah, I, th- I think I, I think I was <laughs> a little disappointed by it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did you watch the Terminal List? No, you should Chris watch Pratt? that. Yeah, yeah. I heard on... it's good. I listened to the audio book. Oh, the audio book was pretty good. Oh. What's the, what's the what's the gist? What's the storyline? Um, it's a guy who is a Navy SEAL and he's on an operation, and some terrible thing happens. I can't. I don't remember the details, but his entire team basically gets killed. Mm. Um, and he was supposed to get killed too. He just like luckily survived. Mm. Uh, then he goes home. And when he's like, I, again, I forget the details, but he's not at home and somebody breaks into his house trying to kill him and oh. kills his wife and son. Oh, shit. So, yeah. So he's like crazy and he's like trying to get revenge. And yeah, that sounds awesome. I mean, not awesome, you know, not not their wife and kid being killed. Awesome. But yeah. revenge movies are awesome. Yeah. Um, that reminds me of a, a movie that I brought up, I think, on this podcast before called A Man Apart. Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel. It's yeah. basically the same story you just described, but instead of being in Iraq, it, they were it, it was a cop, a, right? It was a drug bust in Mexico. Yeah. Oh. So Vin Diesel's part of a team, you know, uh, of cops that bust this powerful drug dealer guy in Mexico. Um, he sees Vin Diesel's face when he's getting into the back of the police car, oh. and you know how it is in Mexico. If you got that kind of money, you're not staying in jail. You're you're still a dangerous thing. So. Um, so like yeah, like shortly after that, Vin Diesel's like laying in bed with his wife, uh, and somebody starts shooting through the windows, and you know she Takes dies, he survives, she catches one, and then the rest of the movie is just revenge. It's just Vin Diesel getting revenge, and I fucking love that man. Yeah, I uh, I don't know why I love it so much. I like vaguely remember that movie, but dude, it was. I don't want to say it was awesome because I haven't watched it in a long time, and sometimes they don't hold up. Yeah. But I remember enjoying it. My favorite revenge movies are A Man Apart and The Count of Monte Cristo. Yeah. The Count of Monte Cristo is fucking good, man. The Jim Caviezel one? Yeah. So good. Old Jesus Caviezel. Yeah, old Jesus Caviezel. (laughs) Jim Jesus Caviezel. Um, When's the last time you watched that movie, Passion of the Christ? Uh, It's been a while, but it's a good one, man. It is a good one. Fucking... I'm so mad 
at Mel Gibson for being racist at the wrong, <laughs> at the, at the wrong, uh, you know, public leader or whatever, because uh, though that the, pa- the passion and Apocalypto were so good, I, I just wonder what he might have done if he might have done more of that. Yeah, you know, if he hadn't gotten in trouble. Yeah, I would like to know too because I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed me some Mel Gibson stuff over the years. I've not enjoyed some of it too, you know, mm. like. um as badass as I used to think the movie The Patriot was, yeah. it's not really that badass. You go back and watch it, and you're like, this is kind of corny. In its day, it was badass. I guess, yeah. I wonder if I would have been... Dude, can you imagine being Heath Ledger? Well, I, I, that, I, said, I said that weird. Can you imagine being the, the young son of a former British soldier living in the United States when the British invade, and he... Your dad hands you a musket and puts you up on the hill and says, if shit goes wrong, kill the Redcoats. Jesus Christ, man. Can you imagine? It's crazy. (sighs) Aim small, miss small. (laughs) Aim small, miss small. Too many minds. shit, man. Yeah. Um, Mo Gibson. Like Braveheart, too. Braveheart's badass, but Braveheart is also like kind of corny. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. Spoiler alert, but when... uh, Braveheart's wife's throat gets cut when she's oh god when she's when she's tied up on that on that spot spot pike or whatever and that guy cuts her throat and oh god that was brutal just emotional emotional did you cry no no but I do love revenge movies and I think the Count of Monte Cristo did it so much better like when I watched The Man Apart it's a, a smart guy but fueled by anger getting physical brutal revenge on people Kill who des- people who deserve it and i enjoy what i enjoy watching every minute of it i thought it was great man and i'm just like on board i'm so supportive of, of what's going on you know what god i'm sorry but when i watch count of monte cristo it's like it's like 3d chess yeah. you know he gets revenge over like 20 years and he yeah. makes he makes it perfect and it's like Beyond what I would have the patience for, beyond what I would have the, you know, uh, creativity to do. And it just like blew me away. I was like, this fucking guy nailed it. Nailed it. Um, Yeah. What were you going to say, sir? Uh, I don't remember. Fuck. I don't remember. Mm. Um, What was I going to say? Shit, man. I wish I could tell you, buddy. Hey, it's my my brother's birthday today. Shout out to Josh. Happy, happy birthday. Happy birthday, bud. You want us to sing? Do you want to sing? No, not at all. You sure? Yep. I think uh, he's probably going to listen to this episode, but then he's going to have to get an hour and 10 minutes in before he gets his birthday shout out. Yeah, we'll see if he notices. We'll see if he notices. <laughs> um, all right, so we talked about period movies. I talked about... Um, what do you think of... Um, a movie like Dances with Wolves or um, or The Last Samurai being uh, talked about as, as racist or cultural cultural appropriation. Because um, people compare those two movies. You got Kevin Costner who is a white guy who sort of copies the, sort of steals the like particular unique sort of dignity that we imagine these nature worshiping native american people had um and then you see the same thing with with uh 
Tom Cruise with the with the with the Japanese with the uh, bushido and with the uh, samurai and all that stuff. Yeah. Whitewashed it. You know, just made it made it t- took it for ourselves. We took it for ourselves. Um, I don't know. I think that that's pretty. I mean, I guess in some way it is true. You know, like we did kind of take it and you know package it in a way that was appealing to our majority white audience in our country. Yep. You know, um, that being said, I just don't necessarily think that there's anything like that insulting or wrong about that. It's like um, I don't quite understand. Like using the word cultural appropriation sounds bad, but what what they mean by it to me doesn't doesn't sound bad. It's like if white people enjoy the culture of other of other uh, nationalities and other ethnic groups or whatever, whatever word you want to use, if if white people appreciate their culture, that's wrong. That's racist. You know, if we want to enjoy it, if we want to participate in it if i want to learn to salsa is that does that make me racist do you want to learn to salsa i would love to learn to salsa (laughs) (laughs) oh man um i love i love chinese food does that make me racist yes you know it's like that's what that's what we're getting to it's weird it's like you know it's eating chinese food is not blackface you know That's a statement right there. We should put that one on a t-shirt, dude. <laughs> Eating Chinese food is not blackface. Yeah, man. Oh, that is fucking funny. I just don't understand. It's like it's like if we if we enjoyed each other's cultures and we participated in them, that's that's the opposite of racist it seems. I think the problem for some people, for a lot of these people comes with making it like an asset you know what i mean it's like we'll take uh we'll take the the food of some culture and make like uh you know like chipotle you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. and then we start like making money and people are like oh well you're appropriating culture so it's only bad when you when you're perceived to be taking something away from them if we're making money then that means somebody else isn't it's like you owe them something that's the zero sum fallacy yeah like I'm not saying I agree that, that I agree with these things. Yeah, yeah, no, I get you. It's fucked up, man. Um, I just don't understand. I don't understand. I think the um, the uh, progressives nowadays and the people fighting for um, I don't even know what they're fighting for. I want I want to call it racial equality, but it's not what that's not what they're fighting for anymore. I just don't get it. Me neither, dude. <laughs> I don't know what white culture is exactly. Um, this whole thing about whiteness and white culture that we're hearing about now is so strange to hear that, like, you know, grammar is racist and or, or white, uh, associated with being white and being polite is associated with being white. And somehow that's like being so being polite is somehow like a, like a um, imposition of my white will onto other people. If I hold the door for you or say please or thank you that I'm that's that's a, some sort of. Uh, act of aggression or superiority like what in the fuck are we doing man what are we doing turning everything upside down man just making everything shitty i just want i just want white people to um stop being oh stop just start to a sentence (laughs) i just want white people to stop being okay with being called white people 
Yeah. Because we're just letting that happen. And uh, the progressives seem to be completely on board with uh, diversity. And um, why don't we start claiming our diversity? Why, why are we allowing ourselves to be whitewashed? I don't like that. Yeah. Uh, well, let's stop being white people. Let's start. Let's start fighting back. I'm not. I'm not a white person. I'm. I'm. I'm German and Swiss, and we have a very particular culture and a very particular history, and we're not like the Irish. You know. Yeah. We're not like the Italians. So are you? Are you advocating like taking up elements of those cultures? Absolutely. Yeah. And 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 forming more of our, our of our identities around them so that uh, they have to be respected along with all the other diverse identities that people already acknowledge and respect because they don't acknowledge and respect white identity because they because they use the word white and pretend like it's all the same and it's yeah. fucking not you know and I, and I think it's the only way progress is made in that the only way that like um, the truth can can be seen is if People start using the language and the tactics uh, of the progressives. So, if you say you know you have to respect uh, cultural diversity and um, and diversity of identity, and we can create as many categories as we want to. This goes back to the trans debate. We can do that. We can respect. We can force you to acknowledge and respect all of that diversity. But we're going to take. All of the diversity that that is attached to white people, we're going to throw them in one group and say that you're not diverse, that you don't have in unique cultures, that you don't have minority groups of your own that deserve to be protected. Um, I mean, I think the Basques would disagree with you. Yeah, I think the Basques would disagree. I think the I think the Catalans in Spain would disagree with you. Yeah, I don't know that they're actually white, but okay. <laughs> I think the Celts might disagree with you. The, the people trying to maintain uh, the Celtic language in, in, in Wales might disagree with you, you know? Yeah. There's some, there's some shit that deserves protecting, and, and you know, there's a, tons of diversity that, is, that deserves to be acknowledged. Yeah. It's super, super terrible to throw all that in and just call it whiteness and then pretend like it's a bad thing. Yeah, there's this thing that people say that white, white people don't have culture. It's like what is a, a thing that people will say, and uh, it's pretty irritating uh, because you know I went to not last weekend but the weekend before I went to Oktoberfest, and Oktoberfest a lot of time becomes more of a celebration of multiple European cultures. Like there were bagpipers there and shit like mm -hmm. that. Um, you know, it's not German, but it's European. So you're, you know, come, come blow your bagpipes at Oktoberfest. Uh, so <laughs> they, like, it, they had Polish dancers. They're just a bunch of different European cult like traditions. Um, and it, that seems like culture to me. But what they, you're right, what they do when they lump us in as white people and that's it is we really don't have a culture then. Like, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You hit the nail on the head. Exactly. What and if we don't have a culture, then we have nothing, nothing valuable, nothing to offer, or nothing, nothing worth protecting. And that's very dangerous. It's a very dangerous fucking way to look at, uh, you know, a huge chunk of the of the population. Yeah, I think when you get white people who start trying to appreciate their heritage. Um, 
you know, that's like prime time to like call someone a racist, you know? I wonder how that goes over in Europe. That's a good question. Do you think that is a problem? Do you think that exists in Europe? Because in Europe, they actually have culture that they remember. Like in yeah. the United States, we don't, rem- we had it. We just don't remember it. They fucking remember it. They have generations after generations after generations of people that wore certain clothes and did certain dances and ate certain foods that nobody else in the world does. That's culture, man. Yeah. And people identify with that. I wonder if race is even as big a thing over there. I th- I think so, man. I think that there are like lots of people like I'm st- I'm talking way out of turn here, way out of school and I I I run the risk of being totally wrong here, but I think that there's a lot of racism between white people in Europe. You know, like the Slavs don't like the, uh, um, or the Slovaks don't like the, you know what I mean? Like, you know, yeah. you know how, you know how it is. People are always, people don't like each other. You know, yeah, you got, all you have to be is a little different. The Catholics don't like the Protestants, you know, the, the Lutherans don't like the Anglicans. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know either. I know that, I know that the, the, the gypsies, for instance, the, the Roma, um, that they're, they're, you know, discriminated against. All over Europe? Yeah, probably. I mean, from what I understand, they do a lot of the things that people discriminate against them for. So, Like like, like lie, cheat, and steal? Yeah. Like, like you know, just scam people out of money. I saw... Um, it was weird. I was at Chipotle, and I saw... I'd never seen this before. I've seen people have signs, you know, saying, I need money, mm-hmm. you know? That's nothing new, but th- this person had a sign. It said, new in America, please help. And he had his entire family. Like, they were sitting on the side of the road next to him. Well, shit. And um, that was pretty interesting. I'd never seen that before. Uh, yeah, that is interesting. Uh, and then I was on the internet, and I was looking at this thing. It's like a, a thing about Cleveland. Like, it's like a a place where people can talk about things happening in the Cleveland area. Okay. And, um, someone said that they saw another, like the same thing, a guy with a sign that said that and his family, like close by, um, all over the, like Cleveland, Hmm. probably a gypsy is out there like panhandling for money. Yeah, maybe gypsies, man. Gypsies. What are you going to (laughs) do? Well, you know, the, the, the gypsies get, uh, like I, I don't know the history. I'm talking out of school here, but the gypsies. I'm pretty confident on it. So, the gypsies don't have a home state. There are people that, well, they're travelers. That's what they call themselves. They don't settle down. They move from place to place, and so they don't have a home nation. Yeah. In fact, there's a lot of mystery about where the Roma come from, and one of the theories is that they originally came from India, which is interesting. But anyway, that's exactly what was used against the Jews. That's what Hitler used against the Jews as part of the propaganda to discriminate against them is that they didn't have a home. They were a people without a nation. That's why the state of Israel was created you know, as a remedy for that you know, to begin with after the Second World War. Yeah, kind of. I mean. But if you read Mein Kampf, that. if you read Mein Kampf, that's what Hitler says. The yeah. Jews don't have a... They, yeah, that is definitely a, what he says. A, they're a landless people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rootless is a, a word that he used. Rootless. Rootless. Mm. Mm. 
That's, that's a pretty gnarly insult, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to start calling people rootless. <laughs> yeah, dude. You rootless, rootless bastard. <laughs> like I never met anyone so rootless. Golly. This is a, a nasty one. Man. It is nasty. I, I think the first time you hear an insult, this is a strange story, but when I was a little kid, well, on this, the house that I grew up in, where you and I met, there was um, people that lived not next door because that was uh, that was where Sylvia lived, but n- next door to that was it. Um, I can't remember their names, but two older people, and they would have their grandkids that would come over from time to time, and they were I think they were two little boys. They were younger than me, and I remember playing with them on like across the fence. Okay, you know, and one of those boys called me a bonehead. Listen, man, I was four, five, six, seven years old, something like that, something in there. I think I was on the younger side. Maybe I was five or six years old. I had never been called a bonehead. I never heard the word bonehead. Yeah. And it was like a mic drop moment when he called me a bonehead. I was like, I, 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 I felt like a wrestler, like a professional wrestler, when he gets hit and he overreacts, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I was called a bonehead. I was like, you know? <laughs> It was like it, it it blew me over in more than one way because I felt the insult. I felt the pain of being insulted. You fucking bonehead. But I also appreciated the novelty of this awesome new slur, you know? Yeah, you're like, now I got that one. Yeah, exactly. It's like I I, I, <laughs> I got hut I got cut with it, but now I now I got a knife in my own arsenal. Oh, I got yeah. the bonehead knife, don't fuck with me. How quickly did you hit someone with a bonehead after that? I don't remember. But I was a nice kid, so I probably didn't. Yeah. Probably didn't. I might have called them boneheads back though. I'm like, oh, I'm a bonehead. You're a fucking You're a bonehead. bonehead. <laughs> this shit yeah. talking of children. Gotta yes. love it. Gotta love it. You're a bonehead. Um, Do you remember the first time you heard a novel insult and what it might be? Not really. Nothing's like sticking out to me. What's the worst insult like that you felt the most pain that somebody? In, do you remember when somebody insulted you that you felt the most pain about? Um, just like being fat. <laughs> Do you remember any particular one though? Not really, no. Because I, I remember I was working at the at the law firm. I got okay. a job working at a bankruptcy law firm, like pretty much right after high school. And uh, I worked there for a couple of years and um, I was a big fat guy. So, you know, I was a big fat guy. Uh, but I was also married and I had a picture of uh, my ex-wife uh, there on my desk. And one of the customers came in. He was an old white guy. And old guys have no filters. They'll say whatever whatever needs to be said. And, you know, kind of did need to be said, I guess. But what a dick. So anyway, he says, uh, is, is that a picture of your wife? And I said, yeah. He said, oh, he's like, I, I could tell you're married. He's like, you, you know, you look like you're eating well. Something like that. <laughs> Something like that. And it, Son of a bitch. And it stung. And it, but, it, but it was like a Mike Tyson hook. It came out of nowhere. I didn't expect in a professional environment to have somebody who I never met before open with that. He opened with a gut punch of you're a fat, fat ass right, right to my kidney. And um, in, that was actually the beginning. Like when a stranger said something like that, that to me, that was the beginning of like my journey to, to actually start losing weight. Okay. So even though it was like a serious insult, and I remember it to this day. It, it it was a meaningful one. It was like okay, you saying that brought jogged something loose. And I do remember when I was in biology, and I think it was in my second year of high school. Um, this guy 
this biology teacher was like very serious about kids not having drinks in class. Like yeah. he would confiscate your drink all the time. Oh god! So he, I had a drink, and he was like, "Bring it up here, you know, throw it away." And I was like, "Come on, it's my lunch." And he was like, "Yeah, you look like you're missing meals." Oh, <laughs> so like, that was a good one. What a dick! It didn't really. I, I mean, it didn't have the same effect on me that it did on you. Yeah, like I was, I was honestly like, "Good one, man." Good <laughs> like one, man. I was like. My feelings were like, oh, I was like, oh, that's embarrassing. But I have I have a good teacher insult too. Yeah, I was in uh, the eleventh grade, and um, I was passing notes with uh, Carol from behind me. Carol Baskin, <laughs> that bitch, Carol Baskin. No, no, uh, Carol. Um, yeah, yeah. Who, know, you, you know, know Carol, you know yeah. Carol. Yeah. So anyway, I wrote it. I wrote a note to her, passed it back, or she wrote one to me and passed it to me, and I wrote something back to her and passed it to her. She wrote, she passes it back to me, and as I'm writing the next note, I just see a shadow. I just see a shadow come over the light over my head, and so I knew somebody was standing there. And I look up, and it's Mr. Skiles, and he doesn't take my note. He just looks at me and he says. <laughs> All right, I have to tell you what I wrote. I was like, yeah, I'm so fucking bored, you know, like something like that. And that's what I'm writing, and he's seeing it, you know? And I look up at him, and he says, yeah, that from someone who misspelled bored. <laughs> that's a good one. And I just walked away. Just walked away like you schmuck. So anyway, he, he, he got me good. That is a good one. He's a good singer from yeah. a teacher. Yep. He was, um, a, he was a fun teacher. I had a teacher get in my face once. What? Yeah, dude. What you do to, to deserve it? I was in math class and I was using a pen instead of a pencil, and he was like, "You have to use a pencil." And I was like, "Well, I don't have a pencil." Um, so he like just I don't know I don't know if he was just like having a bad day or he was a dick. He was you know, he was not like the biggest dickhead of a teacher, but he was definitely a dickhead. Um, but like, yeah, I don't know if like that day he was just having a particularly bad day or what, but yeah, I was using a pen instead of a pencil. Whereas normally I wasn't participating, you know, and I just didn't like, it was like, why, why are you giving me a hard time? <laughs> I like, I'm trying to do the fucking work. Who yeah. cares that I'm doing it in a pen? Like, what are you fucking talking about? Um, I mean, I didn't even say all of that, but yeah. I, you know, but yeah, he took me out into the hall and like, like literally got in my face was like, I don't know, like trying to goad me into hitting him so he, I could get suspended or something. Oh I don't God. know. Jesus. Yeah. That was a, that was an interesting one. So I, I, yeah, I never had anything quite like that. I saw that happen another time too. Would not with me, but like a, same another, teacher. Like, oh. No, no. A oh. different teacher. Like, and him and this like other student really getting in each other's faces like this dude like was like i said kind of it seemed like like daring me to like punch him you oh, know i really? had no interest in it you know like i wasn't like spoiling for a fight with this fucking teacher now the other one that i saw that that like could have been a fight more easily mm. Mm. that was a that was a good one yeah man i i once saw a uh, girl fight um where one of the girls Shout out to Amber Briscoe. Punched a teacher. I saw a teacher on purpose. And this Amber was not a petite girl. She was a, a big gal. Yeah, you would have been. I mean, you you would have been a little bit nervous that she was. She got in your face. She was a big yeah. chick, man. Okay. Um, when I was in middle school, I was probably like in the sixth grade. I was playing my Game Boy uh, in class, which obviously is a fucking no no. So my teacher took it from me. And she said I could have it back at the end of the day. 
And I was a good kid, man. I never got in any trouble. I was a good kid. So I went back at the end of the day to get it, and she said she gave it to the principal, and that I that I'd have to get my mom, you know, to oh, to get it back. And well, first of all, man, she told me I could get it back at the end of the day, and then without renegotiating the deal, she goes and does that. And I don't remember what I did, but I'm pretty sure I punched the desk with my fist. Damn, dude! Not like super hard, but I just, you know, I just. First of all, man, I was 20 feet from her. She was behind her desk. I was like two two rows back in the in the uh, desks from her. I wasn't threatening her, but she said I was. So I'm this good kid, never been in trouble ever, never did anything wrong. Now I have to go to the principal with my mom and explain to her why I was physically threatening the teacher and shaking my fist and punching the desk. That's what she that's what that's what her version of the story was. It was like something straight out of fucking um Harry Potter, what was that awful teacher's name in Harry Potter? Umbridge. Umbridge. Dolores Umbridge. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah, man. I had some bullshit with teachers over the years. And bus drivers. And bus drivers, yeah. True. (laughs) Oh, you schmuck. I'm not a schmuck. That bitch and that cop, those are the schmucks. (laughs) Bitch and the cop. Bitch and the cop. It's like a (laughs) Disney movie. It uh, reminds me of... uh, James Franco, when he was trying to... Cop a lady and a guy. Cop a lady and a guy. Oh, boy. It's a massacre. (laughs) Pineapple Express. A cop a lady and a guy. Shout out to Matthew. All right. What else we got, Kyle? Um, Man, I had something that I was going to say about something you were saying earlier, but I just can't... I can't pull it from the depths of my memory. Mm. Well, if you remember, let me know. In the meantime, I want to try to tell you one thing. Um, last time we got together, I was telling you about reading that Rudolf Steiner book. Rudolf. He's this uh, occultist guy. Yeah. And so I finished the book, and so I went ahead and did part two of the uh, Steiner episode so I can round it off. So I'm done with Steiner. Part part two uh, I released on Friday. And it's pretty interesting. Is basically more of the same. You know, like this guy's trying to talk about things you can do to develop extra sensory powers. You know, men who stare at goats, kind of shit. Sort of. Sort what, of. What what he thinks what he thinks is possible is perception of a spiritual reality. Like he says that we have all of the senses that you need to observe physical reality and we exercise those muscles all the time we're always seeing and touching and smelling and tasting we're always using those muscles so our perceptions of the physical aspects of the world that just get stronger and better and sharper because we're always using those muscles but what we're not using are the muscles that uh allow us to see perceptions of the spiritual reality our third eyes and shit that kind of shit yeah whatever that means so he's telling you things you can do to develop your third eye or whatever. He calls it spiritual, spiritual seeing, seeing and uh, hearing. And it's, you know, it's all very symbolic and all everything. Um, but he's like, if you focus, if you focus on um, the impressions, the, the thoughts and feelings and emotions that arise in you when you have experiences, if you focus on those things, eventually just doing that is like exercising these spiritual muscles. And if you do that long enough, you're going to start to actually start perceiving new things about the world. It's not, it's not like you're in a new world. 
You're just seeing things you didn't see before. You're noticing things you didn't notice before. And it's all very strange. Um, but what I found to be interesting about it is that it's it's not just that this guy is a, is a little bit mystical, but because he is. It's that I didn't realize that the occult practices are connected to mysticism. I didn't know that. Really? It sounds pretty straightforward when I say it. Why, why did I not think of that? But it's like when I think of a, the occult, I don't think of hippies having a one with the universe experience. I think of people having seances and people doing ritual magic and people reading the future with tea leaves. I don't think about people have becoming one with, with the universe, you know? Does that strike you as naive? Do you think the occult and this sort of mystical stuff that I talk about that go hand in hand? Like, Yeah, I think that there's definitely some crossover. I think there's crossover in the sense that somebody who believes in magic and somebody who believes in God both believe that there's more to the world than, than just the physical obvious components that, uh, that we're used to. More than meets the eye. <laughs> yes. Transformers. Robots in disguise. <laughs> um, yeah. I, uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm going to have to check out some Steiner, man. It's interesting. It's interesting. Um, but I, I mean, when, you, when I read the second half of Steiner, what I saw... Steiner. What I saw is... Still get a kick out of the name. What I saw is that everything he's telling you to do, all the practices he's telling you to do, all seem to be geared towards eliciting a mystical experience. And this is something we talked about once before uh, when we were talking about using psychedelics to have a mystical experience, whether that's the only way you can have one and whether it's cheating, let's say, to, to use drugs to get there. And if it's possible to get there in a sane, healthy state of mind, is it, is it more valuable to learn how to achieve that state you're on your own? And, it, and it, might it be valuable to be able to have it whenever you want it? Let's say, like I could, I can make it happen. I can elicit it. Um, I think that would be fucking rad if it's possible to be able to just work yourself into a, a mystical experience whenever you want, um, and to learn how to do that. That does sound valuable, you know. That's what Steiner seems to be telling you. Practices. He doesn't come right out and say it, and it's weird because there's part of it, part of this occult stuff that isn't spoken of, and even he says. Anything beyond this, I can't really tell you about. So it's like, you know, uh, if you become a Freemason or something and they tell you these are secrets, you can't tell anybody this stuff. This is this is something we keep to ourselves. And uh, in all kinds of like mystical settings, you know, like in like in uh, the Gnostic gospel, um, might be Thomas. Jesus says something like, oh, no, no, maybe it's the hermetic, the hermetic stuff. Anyway, one of those books opens up saying that. Uh, basically, I'm going to reveal to you here things that have been kept hidden from the world since the beginning of time. Mm. Something like that. The hidden knowledge. The hidden knowledge. The gnosis, you know? And uh, and I, I think that what that is is not spoken of because it's a secret. It's not spoken of because it's impossible to speak about. And if you try, people will think you're nuts. And so what I mean is that the 
the secrets that have been hidden from us from the beginning of time is that we are God. The thing that we continue to seek for, we are, we are the, that thing. But you can't say that without <laughs> sounding crazy. And the more you try to, the more you try to rationalize it, the crazier it sounds. So you just don't talk about it. I, I just never you thought start a podcast and you talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, I just never saw the connection between mysticism and uh, the occult until I read Steiner, and it's pretty clear that that's what he he's saying the goal is, and that's what he's trying to get you to be able to do to come outside of yourself to see yourself in a in a larger context, then to identify with a larger context. You know, take yourself out of the individual, put yourself in this collective context and then identify with that you know to be one with god to be one with the cosmos that's what that's what steiner's trying to get you to do <coughs> he says something weird man that i i he says lots of weird things one one of the things he says is that when you when you exercise these spiritual faculties that you'll start to see and hear and perceive things that you didn't before including auras that you'll start to see colors and like like a fiery color that surrounds objects and people and things and that you'll start to see the light as beings you start to see them he calls them forms and tones and figures but you'll start to experience these things outside of uh, objects that they're connected to and then he says then you'll be able to read them like a language it's weird. He says, I don't, I don't know how to make sense of this, man. It's like, imagine that you look out at, at a scene that you've seen a million times, trees and people and animals and buildings, and all of a sudden, every, every one of these objects glows and has a certain per- perception that wasn't there before. Maybe there's some sort of feeling. There's some sort of uh, color. There's some sort of... Um, connection that that you're making to these images that you never made before there's some there's more to them than you noticed before and after a while you start to be able to interpret what the colors and feelings you're getting mean like you're reading a book like you look out at the world and you can read it you can read the meaning in it somehow and he calls that like a um like a spiritual language that you you that you can learn to read people in the world. Read it like a book. What do you think, man? I don't know. That sounds. I don't know. I don't, I just don't really understand. When you say you can read it, I'm not really sure what you mean. I don't either. Um, my best guess is that. Like, you know. You know. It's yeah, like like psychic abilities. What comes to my mind is things like tarot cards. Or, you know, it's like you look at the image it's on it. pronounced tarot. <laughs> you look at a tarot card. You see the image on the tarot card. And uh, and it's obscure, right? It's like a, a guy in a black cloak with a, with a raven in the sky and like a tree. And somebody's hanging from the tree. It's like whatever. It's like there's all these, these, these weird images. And what they're supposed to do is to not have a particular meaning, but to have a constellation of meanings so that you can interpret it. You can interpret it in whatever context is appropriate for you at that moment. It means something. It'll mean something else in a minute, and it'll mean something else tomorrow. It'll mean something else to someone different. I think he means something like that, that you look out at the world, and the image you see is like a tarot card. All the objects are symbolic, and they have meaning, 
and you inter- you can interpret that meaning that reading the spiritual language is interpreting the interpreting the meaning of the emotions and the connections to the images that you're seeing he calls them impressions so that's the best i can do to try to understand what he means by that but i also think that there's something like noetic about it he's what he's what he's saying is that like I'm going to explain this to you, but it's only going to make sense once you can do this. Once you've learned to do this. It's like people can tell you all about falling in love, and you can know everything there is to know about falling in love. Until you fall in love, then you then you learn something new about it, right? Then you learn what it's like to fall in love. That's, to me, what it sounds like he's saying. It's like, you know, this probably isn't going to make any sense, but if you do this, one day you'll be able to read the world around you, be able to read the spiritual realities um, that the impressions of the world are, are are giving you. And he says weird, weird, weird shit beyond that. He says that thoughts and ideas are as real as tables and chairs. And that an idea can injure another idea, like a bullet can injure a physical a physical object. Mm. Like an idea can blow up another idea. An idea can infect another idea. An idea or a thought can harm you or somebody else in ways you you can't anticipate. That they're like are real things. The way that Carl Jung talks about archetypal forces being real things with wills of their own and perceptions of their own. And it just makes it so weird. But it's also so interesting to me because it's like if it's possible, if any of this is real, if the Jungian stuff is real, if the, if the Steiner stuff is real in any way, it means that there's more to the world than meets the eye, which is a suspicion that I already have. And it also means that you can participate in it in ways that you aren't aware of right now. And that's so intriguing to me. It's like there might be more to life. There might be more ways of living life and more ways of experiencing the world than we think. And if that's the case, I want in on that. I'm fucking interested in that. I want to know what that's about. That's part of the appeal of psychedelic drugs. It's like, it opens you up to a part of reality that you never knew about. And it's like, what's more interesting than that? What's What could possibly be more interesting than that? It's a good question. I mean, I think that it's... Uh... There's some kind of a link between the fascination for that kind of um what's the word i'm looking for like you know what the word they call people who do like psychedelic drugs a lot psychonaut psychonaut yeah that's it there's uh there's definitely some kind of a connection or crossover between psychonauts and astronauts you know like the the first people who want to go out into to mars you know yes there's like i don't know there's something DMT trippy about moving to Mars. You know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, something about the world you have access to through psychedelics, and if and if there's something like that that is in, endogenous that we can elicit from ourselves, if the world around us can be like the DMT world, can be a novel experience. It's like opening up the cupboard of um, Narnia and finding this world back there. Right? You open up the cupboard and you find this fantasy world back there. What could be more interesting than that? It's, it's, it's very equivalent to the idea of going to Mars and stepping foot on a new world yeah. and saying, what's here? Let's find out. There's nothing more interesting than that. True. 
so if what Steiner says is real, um, I'm interested. Uh, so I don't know, man. Um, I think I've, I've already put some of it into practice. So I'm going to continue to try. Maybe I'll try a little harder. Um, I what do things. Trying to do. I do things like uh, got to go. I'm meditating a little bit. Like I didn't really. I used to pray, man. I used to pray every every day. I got away from that not long ago. Uh, I don't know why, but I did. Um, so meditating is like um, something like that. But I'm kind of it's kind of a new thing. So I'm doing that, and I'm uh, I'm focusing. I'm trying to focus more on what emotions I feel when I feel them. Like it's sometimes it's, it's hard to even notice. Sometimes it comes and goes so quick you can't even you don't even have the time to like try to grab a hold of it. But if I notice if I have like a you know a swelling of emotion inside, that I'll just try to notice it and focus on it. That's all. So I just try to do that, and I'm trying to get better at that. And um, I'm trying to th- think about my, at night when I lay down, I'm trying to think about my day from the perspective of a third person. I'm yeah. trying to do that. I'm st- and I still do what Jung said to do, which is, which is to try to clear your mind and just notice what images come to you. Notice what thoughts, feelings, and images come to you and try to hold on to them. So I've been doing stuff like that. And if you listen to Jung and you listen to Steiner, those things are supposed to develop those spiritual muscles and eventually that's going to re- lead to some new some new perceptions so i will let you know if that happens but that's kind of what i'm going to practice with for a little while it's cool yeah you're trying to see people's uh energies you're gonna be like a- i'm still very skeptical but if i did if i dude if i ever see an aura I'll I'll be so I'll be excited, man. I will be uh, if that happens. I will talk about it uh, on the podcast for sure. Um, you guys will probably all think I'm crazy. That's fine. Um, and I'll be way more like convinced by Steiner. If that happens, I'll be way I'll take this way more seriously. You know, if I start seeing auras, I'm going to read the rest of Steiner's shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm still very skeptical about it, but you're open to it. I'm open to it. Somebody on Twitter reached out to me and said they listened to that that episode. Uh, I think the day that I released it, which is cool, and they said um, that I should try to find somebody who claims that they can see an aura or chi. You know, they call it chi in China. Yeah. Um, see if I can find someone who claims to be able to do it and just talk to them, just ask them questions and get them on the podcast. And uh, so I would be super into that. That sounds cool. Yeah, as long as we could stay civil, you know. Yeah. Anything else, bud? Um, I just, I really want to remember what one of those oh, things that shit. I was going to say was. I just can't do it, man. It's disappointing. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess clairvoyance is the word of the day on the Two Tongues podcast. Yeah. I guess that's it, man. All right. All right. Thanks for hanging with us, guys. This has been the Two Tongues podcast. Adios. Well, there you have it. That's one avenue explored, but infinitely more still to go. I hope you enjoyed thinking along with us. I know, I know. It's not easy work. Thinking. It's hard and full of uncertainties, but I'm grateful for the company as we trek through this together. Here's to hoping that the juice is worth the squeeze. See what I did there? Let's find out together in the next episode.